This is the Pose on the Matrix. It is the 18th of November, 2019. Drawing this year to a close really, really quick. And bringing on 2020, which uh, may or may not have some very interesting things happening uh, in the next uh, year and two months or whatever. But um, anyway, uh, tonight is, uh, we don't have a guest tonight, just the three of us. So, you know, we, we'll get to talk for a little while and... Uh, uh, we thought about what to do tonight, and we basically thought to, to have a potpourri sort of thing, um, a cornucopia, so to speak, a uh, different subjects. And uh, so that's what we're going to do tonight. And uh, I think some of it's going to lean towards QAnon, uh, what's going on in this country, how it may uh, have biblical implications, um, and, and that sort of stuff. So it's it's kind of an ablib thing, and we're just gonna uh, we're just gonna go for it. So. Um, so I think we'll start out if it's okay. Uh, Eric, we were talking earlier about, uh, if you've ever heard anything, uh, since you, you tend to be the, out of the three of us, the, uh, the lead, um, authority, I should say. And yes, you are an authority amongst the three of us, uh, where QAnon is concerned. So, uh, what's to do with QAnon? Is he saying anything or are they saying anything that, uh, might be, uh, worthwhile for our listeners to hear? Yeah, well, I had uh, actually uh, this Saturday I had lunch with a old, uh, co-worker that actually works in another building across the city, still part of the organization that I work for. But uh, we had lunch, and he uh, he's pretty versed in QAnon, and he follows um, Praying Medic and X22. I don't know if you – I think you guys are familiar with that, aren't you? Yeah, those are, that's uh, where you can read all those posts. Yeah, they kind of decipher most right. of it. And kind of the big thing that I gathered just talking to, talking to him is basically uh, in the House of Representatives now, uh, the investigation has actually shifted to actually a criminal investigation. So that changes things. That means witnesses can be called. So what's going to end up happening, and it's funny that the Dems don't realize what's going on, but they're going to vote to impeach Trump, right? And then it's going to go to the Senate. And once it goes to the Senate, it's a, it's a, you know, they have the ultimate authority uh, on this to proceed or not. Right. But what they're going to do is, since it is a criminal investigation, they will end up calling witnesses in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you'll be pretty surprised as to who they start calling in about this we're talking a lot of you know pelosi we're talking uh obama himself um we're also talking a lot of even a lot of their the you know sons of uh some of these people like pelosi's son and um biden's son biden's son you know there's a number of their kids that are involved with all these shenanigans with ukraine and china and all this um 
So this is how it's actually going to start unraveling. Um, they they basically are. How do I say this? They're given enough rope in which to hang themselves. Mm-hmm. Is what's happening. Right. And it's interesting how, how it's funny they don't follow what's going on. They're walking right into a trap, but it's not a deceptive trap in terms of it being evil. It's basically a it's a trap that has been instrumental being set by Trump to really get this um, this whole process to actually follow through. Um, and basically the in the criminal investigations that are going to start proceeding pretty soon. Huh. Hey, Eric, on a spiritual basis, don't you think it, you know, sin is blinding? Yes, you, you're, you're, I think you're, you're right. You're, they're, they're, they're so arrogant yeah. that they are blind. Well, they're, they're so blinded by their hatred that I don't think they see what is happening. Well, Q is, you think of it, you know, the, they're thinking in worldly terms. The strength and the forces that they have had available to them, yeah. the press being favoring them, covering yeah. up things that should be, you know, spoken out. Um, always leaning towards them and having their favor and and, and uh, revealing some things or making something out of nothing, you know, always supporting their lives and everything. They're confident in that system and they believe that that system is going to work. What they don't realize is that there's an all-powerful God who is setting them up and they don't even see it coming. And like you said, it's not even a deceptive thing. They're yeah. going to themselves by their own actions. They yeah. have no proof or evidence of what their claims are against Trump. But in their if they're cross-examined, like Obama and other things, like uh, Biden's son and, and whatever, man, they're going to be found out because we do have proof where they don't have proof against Trump. See, they have all the evidence. And yeah. what they're going to do, they're thinking they're going to send this off to uh, the Senate, and then they're going to start pulling all this evidence out and call, calling people to testify for the Senate. And this is where it's all going to fall apart. Yep. And honestly, it's all pivotable because it's it's going right into an election year when this is all going to come out. And this is how, you know, Trump obviously easily wins re-election because it's going to be on full on display. Because I got to imagine that people have to be getting pretty frustrated because the media has projected this idea. Well, Russia, Russia, Russia. Well, then that falls apart. And then, you know, they come up with everything else. Uh. You know, Ukraine, 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 that's fallen apart. And then now it's, you know, it's just tr- Trump derangement syndrome at this point. <laughs> uh, they, 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 I mean, I don't know if you've seen, if you guys had the opportunity to watch some of the testifying that was going on in the House with Adam Schiff mm-hmm. at all. Did you? I, I, I'll be honest. I'll be honest with you. I watch a little bit of it and then I just, oh, I get they so- asked. They asked for all the witnesses and the information, and all they could come up with was, "Well, so and so might have said this, or so, you know." I, they had no, they had no direct evidence. It was all secondhand stuff, all of it. And they, they're standing confident, thinking they're going to, <laughs> that's going to be all good enough. That's going to be okay. They're even trying to change the laws to make it so that it's going to be okay. You right. know what? Not going to happen. Um, Mark Taylor's prophecies about a reset. I totally believe that, and I believe that he doesn't even realize exactly what this reset in, is involved. And, and I see it; I know what it is. And I think it's, you know, a uh, part of me is just laughing. I'm sitting back, grab my popcorn, and let's watch the crazy train show because these people are hanging themselves. If they only knew what was coming, if they well, only knew what God had planned from before the foundation of the world. 
Right. Um, I mean, again, like you've brought up 2020. Yep. I mean, what does that symbolize to people? A, a time of complete, perfect clarity. Clear vision, 2020. Isn't that, I mean, gosh, we are stuck it's in a, a crazy matrix, man. It, it's, a God, it's, a God, it's a God thing. It's, it's, a God. It's, fan, it's fantastic, by the way. It is. So, but I tip my hat to God, so. <laughs> oh, amen. What, uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, there, there are a lot of believers that are praying for Trump. I mean, I don't, they always said pray for Obama, and I prayed at Psalm 109, and I thought that was quite applicable, and you can look it up afterwards. I won't go into what that says, but, um, <clears throat> and, and, you know, we talked, we've talked before on here about uh, Haman and his plans and how they were thwarted, and he was the one that ended up hanging, and I think that's a perfect example of what's happening here. Um, but, uh, you know, the Lord that we serve, he sees everything, and he saw it before it ever happened, before the creation of the earth. And he saw all the things that the devil was going to try to do to thwart his plans. So he, you know, he was able to um, make other plans or to maybe pass on bad information that the enemy would use, you know. And he's got every perfect right to do that. And uh, But uh, I think a, a good illustration, too, comes from what happened um and we've talked about this on this show before um, with the prophet Elisha when uh, uh, he was um, serving God, you know, way back in Israel. And uh, what happened was the uh, God was giving him the information that the king of Syria was passing on to his servants or getting from his servants about how to attack the Israeli army. And they'd get thwarted every time. And uh, so the king of Syria says, hey, you know, which one of you is a traitor? Which one is, you, is, you know, telling the king of Israel what's going on? And they said, no, there's none of us. It's this guy named Elisha who's, uh, you know, he, he hears what's said in, in the secret of your bedroom. And he <laughs> passes it on to the to the king of Israel. And so they, you know, they sought him out and everything. And um, this, the story was was splendid. And, and I don't think the ending is going to be the same as what we're going to see. But uh, in the ending of this, uh, you know, the the... the the armies of Syria uh, surrounded, uh, I can't remember the name of the town. Uh, I think it might have been AI, I'm not sure. But anyway, no, Dothan. Dothan was the name. It's right there. And um, so the servant was scared because he saw the the, arm, the army of Syria. And God says, open up his eyes, you know. And he opened up the servant's eyes, God <laughs> did. And there were the hillsides were filled with flaming uh, angels with, on flaming chariots and and uh, with flaming swords and stuff like that, and um, so uh, so what did Elisha pray? I think yeah, he prayed that uh, the the army of Syria would become blind, and he went out to meet them, and he says, "I know the guy you're looking for. Follow me." And he led him right into the camp of the Israelite king, <laughs> and then their eyes were opened up, and well, you know, the Israelite king wanted, "Hey, let's slay him right here. This is great," you know. Elisha's like, "No, no, throw him a feast, and then send him back." And it's and it said that uh, the the armies of Syria never bothered Israel again. Now, but then very down, down in the chapter um, after that is when they went after Samaria. But anyway, uh, I don't think we're going to see that kind of outcome. I don't, I don't think there's going to be much mercy because no mercy's been shown towards Trump. And uh, and so I think we're going to see the Haman. But you know, and and you guys might not agree with what I did here, but uh, I um, you know I get feeds from from Trump. He sends them to me. Well, somebody that's affiliated with him sends them to me, I'm sure. But they're sent out by him. And I said, you know, I said, 
if you want to kill two birds with one stone, here's what you do. You throw a lottery, uh, maybe five bucks a ticket, you know, whatever, you know. And uh, the winner of the lottery or the, you know, the first hundred winners or whatever, um, you give them the opportunity to, to pull the pin that opens up the trap doors underneath the hangman's noose when these people are found guilty. <laughs> I said, you, you will pay for the wall twice over. <laughs> and you know, and and everything will be great. You could even use the other money to maybe give it to the Vietnam vets that are being treated so badly, or something like that. You know, and I never got an answer back, but boy, I hope he sure takes it into consideration because I got a feeling a lot of people will be buying lottery tickets. Your marketing skills are 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 pretty. Uh, that's pretty good. Most impressive. <laughs> well, thank like you. I really think you are. You know, think the amazing thing about God is even in his wrath, there is mercy and grace. There's an appeal to reach out in that every final last minute for a possibility of repentance. But, you know, uh, wheat is wheat and tares are tares. That's They're going right. to be, you know, and, but, but even in that, he gives even the enemies every opportunity. Every opportunity. Nobody can say, that's not fair. You didn't know. I didn't know. No, you were given every opportunity to know. And you made your own free will choice, which is something God is going to interfere with your free will. So, you know, and, but I mean, I suppose a certain amount of that can be, in the legal sense, supported by the scriptures. There's a separation of wheat and tares in the last days. It's where the gray shaded area is no longer going to exist. You're going to be either on one side or the other side. And it's obvious. He says, let them grow together until the time of the harvest, the time of the end, and the time of the harvest. Well, why? Because then they're going to be known for who they are and what they are. And so we're seeing that. So in the process of being able to not restrict grace and mercy through salvation or anything, you know, we have to a balance where we proclaim against ungodly at the same time, do it in a sense that has grace and mercy. I mean, right. Even in God's judgment. You know, when I read the two witnesses, they're going to go go about um, and do their thing. They're not killing all these people. They are giving them an ultimatum. And because they rejected the ultimatum, even in the wrath, people aren't dying. People are suffering, but they're not dying. They're suffering so that they can repent and get it right. So I thought that was pretty cool because, I mean, I always that was always a disturbing element. But when I go back to the original language on anything in, in reference to that area, that's really what is being told. And in, in God's wrath, he is still beckoning and calling people to come back to him or to come to him. Right. <clears throat> Obviously, right. some will, can't. But Sounds like a very just God to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, I don't. I was listening, to, and I usually don't listen to Rush Limbaugh, but we got our radio fixed in our truck, and we were trying it out. So anyway, um, <laughs> he he had a, a guest speaker on today, actually a guy substituting for him, and the guy was explaining something that I kind of knew or rem- remember learning a long time ago. But uh, uh, congressmen cannot be sued; they cannot be. Uh, they're basically above the law. Okay, 
And I think the only way you could really get him is with impeachment, not impeachment. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, high crimes and misdemeanors. Um, you know, taking him before a military tribunal that way. But right. Um, I, but you know, and, and it makes a lot of sense because he's what these guys are doing now. You know, uh, shifty AI chip and um, and Nancy Lagosi. Um, they're 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 basically breaking every law of jurisprudence that you could possibly think of in order to to, to get this to go through. And and Trump sees it, I see it, you see it. Um, but you know, there there are the huddled masses in this country that. Uh, that like to be told what to, what's going on and not necessarily look into it themselves. And those are the ones that that concern me, you know. Those well, I think they're um, I, I think it's going to be a time of people's eyes opening. And, you know, even for the people that were, um, you know, feeding the lies of um, the mainstream media, um, it's going to be quite a quite a shock. To their system, I think, uh, initially. Uh, some of them will come around. Some will be in complete denial and re- refuse to believe it because they nothing's going to matter. They just want the agenda to go forward. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I don't know. There, there's... Um... When we have, know, we're not we're not really helping ourselves either, if, if you think about it, though. And I know that we have to leave this in the Lord's hands. Believe me, I know that. But... Uh, here, here's an, an example, okay? Um, we're fighting for our freedoms, you know, like no tomorrow here in Oregon. It's This is one of the worst states when it comes to being represented. Um, if you don't live in Portland or or, uh, or Eugene, you, you're, well, even if you're a, a, a Republican living in those, or the, no, conservative living in that city, you're not represented, but those two cities run the whole state, much like Los Angeles and New York run what would run the uh, the and Chicago would run the whole country if we let that happen. But uh, right now, there's nobody stepping up to do a darn thing. I mean, we have two representative seats coming up in districts one and three. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine state senate seats coming up. We've got uh, oh, must be. 30 state representative seats coming up and nobody's running for these seats. You know? Well, that's, I find that intriguing. Um, that, uh, cause I noticed, you know, there's been a number of people that have decided, you know, uh, to resign or not run for office again uh-huh. for, and you, you'll see a consistent pattern of that even at the federal level, but even at the state level. And I wonder if, you know, if they've had a consistent pattern of people running that were kind of a part of the agenda, but now they kind of see the tide is turning, uh-huh. and now there's not there's not a there's nothing to fill that gap, right? Right? Because it takes uh-huh. money to run, right? When Hillary lost the election that they thought absolutely she was going to win, I think that's just shooken everything to the foundation. And yes. I think Eric, you're exactly right on it that. That it's a time of uncertainty. They're not sure. I mean, uh, you know, how am I going to play this out? You know what? Maybe I better just back off and wait and see which way the wind's blowing because right. now it's unpredictable. Because mm-hmm. you got to be honest, to be honest, you like to think that most people run to, you know, with the idea of wanting to to help people in general. But right. I'm, af- I'm afraid that more or less 
there's always somewhat of a agenda for a lot of these people that are running and there's always something being exchanged or, you know, money or some wealth or as, you know, they stay in office for a long time, even at the state level, I would, I would suspect in some of these states. Mm-hmm. And I think all that's being crushed. And so there's no incentive now for them to run because they don't, their true intentions are being shown for what they are. Right. Well, but, consider, you know, thousands of years, they've been able to hide a ruling elite who is in league with the God of this world. Yep. Now things are coming out more and more because communication is getting better. Um, and we're in the last days and God promises in his word that this is exactly what we would see happen. There would be a separation of the wheat and tares. So we're beginning to see that. And so for most people, I think it's unbelievable to think there is a small amount of people that are actually controlling everything. Right. A small amount of people that have already attained immortality. A small amount of people that have already obtained the ability to manipulate time and space. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I was at an estate sale the other day, and I was talking to this lady. I was I had mentioned that you know this one thing that I was buying was going to go into a museum, and they said, "Oh, really? What kind? A museum of uh, beyond science fiction? It's about the fact that <clears throat> that what was once science fiction is now present day's inspiration to make it tomorrow's reality." And I said, so the museum is, you know, based on that idea. This one lady, she got up, man, she started talking about the chemtrails, about Monsanto and everything. <laughs> Dear, I said, I got a book. I got a in my car. I'm going to because I think you need to really see this because there's a hope. Now, she was looking at it fearfully from the doom and gloom. Right. But she was aware of what was going on, but she lacked control. Yeah, most people do. Um, it's open to it, though. You know, that was the, the promise right there. I said, you know, there's a God that's in control of this. This is going to, we're going to win. It's going to be okay. Now, like, you know, this is something we need to talk about, too, tonight, I think, um, Dave, is uh, look at the NAR. Now, they seem to think that they're going to present to God a world without spot and blemish. Right, right. It's insane. Now, they have a strategy that is excellent. And I'm 100% in support of of the seven mountains or whatever. It's just seven aspects of society, how the enemy has taken over, and then how we can undo what was been done against us. And no problem with that. The problem I have is that this, like I tried to tell her, I said, look, it's only going to be a transition. We're not, this isn't going to ha- I mean, Trump isn't going to make America great again to where we're going to be, you know, without spot and blemish and everything's going to be honky-dory. This is a reprieve. This is a three-and-a-half-year time where we can be in control to preach the gospel anywhere, any, everywhere, and God can do a complete separation right. of wheat and tares. That's all that is. We're not going to present anyone, God or anyone else, with a perfect world. That's not going to happen, except these days be shortened. No flesh should be saved. What part in AR don't you understand of that? I mean, it's just that part is like diluted weirdness. It's not even scriptural. So there are a lot of people that are hoping, oh, my gosh, this is going to be it. No, it's not it. Understand the pendulum is swinging one extreme way. and It's going to swing back another way and back and forth. And so, you know, we have to see that what's, what's God's. God's hand is in this. And this is where uh, 
Mark Taylor and his prophecies about Trump being used like um, King Cyrus. This is exactly what's going to happen. There's going to be three and a half years of, uh, you know, well, I, sh I should even be more careful. Three and a half years out of seven, because we're assuming that it's seven. Could be much longer than that. Right. I'm not going to lock myself into a specific. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not 100% sold on that it's actually seven years per se. Well, because it could be it could be it could be seven periods. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah, exactly. Because when you go back to the original language, that is exactly what it's saying. Seven units. And it's only assumed that it's seven years in most contextual use. It is seven years, but it's not restricted to that. So we have to be open and aware to that. Yeah. It could be 70 years and most of them may be already done and used up 70 years ago. When we go back to 70, oh, gosh, we, then we get into the you know, some major history of the six day war, you know, of Israel. And I mean, these are pivotal main points that are part of a puzzle piece. We don't have all the answers yet. And I don't think God's letting us have all the answers until we start developing unity within the body. When the Calvinists can exchange with the Armenians, which can exchange with the Trinitarian, which can strain, can, uh, can exchange with the, uh, uh, oneness, when we all can start looking to be acting like a family, all the pieces will come together. But as long as we keep throwing stones at each other, saying you're different and I don't believe in your stuff and demonize each other, we're never going to get the whole picture. So this is, you know, this is a developmental, it's a character building process for us because we're so separated by isms and schisms. But as we start coming together and what usually causes us to come together, persecution. Yep. Every what it's going to take. Yeah. Just, no way around it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, to me, I've been able to develop in these last days that peace that passes all understanding. God is in control. He's always been in control. He's always will be in control. There's no arm, undetermined arm wrestling contest going on somewhere, you know, in the cosmos. <laughs> we won. <laughs> we just don't realize it yet. And uh, the unfortunate thing for Satan being deluded, he already lost. He just doesn't get it yet. Right. That's exactly right. So you know, in defense of the seven year thing, we you know you got to admit that um, when you do the math uh, for the first 490 years or was it 483 years, whatever, um, it did work out right to the crucifixion of Jesus. So, you know, it kind of gives us an idea a little bit that it may be a seven year period. So for, you know, anybody that might have heard that and thought oh these guys are wackos well you know like you like you said you know we we have to look at it from all points of view yeah and, i mean it uh, can very well be seven years i'm i'm not saying that it's not totally oh, I, I know but um we it's just to... i i get a little i get a little bit leery with some of the uh traditional uh eschatology model that's taught you know what i mean mm -hmm. yes it just makes me think they they don't have it quite right, right. so Right, but well, I I don't know about you guys, but I think everybody's going to be disappointed when they don't see two flamethrowers, um, you know, two witnesses that are shooting out fire, burning people up like in the Left Behind series. I, jeez, <laughs> that's just hilarious, man. <laughs> now, you think that you think that'll motiv motivate anybody to believe? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's some of it. I mean, when you go back to the original language, when you look in context to everything else in the bigger picture, I mean, that is just so 
I can't be polite about it. It's idiotic. It's so unbiblical. It's just like, come on. You know, the, the two witnesses are not bombardier beetles. They're not going to be spewing out, you know. I just, oh, yeah, you, you just love that. Um, now, that was not my meme. That was an original guy. This guy is a comedian. Um, he's a Christian, loves the Lord, worship ministry. Um, gosh, I can't even remember his website. When when we linked up as friends, I went on his site, and this guy has got memes that are just hilarious. I mean, they're awesome. I think they most of them were authored by him or just he searches the Internet for these and has such a great sense of humor. But he's the one that had that where the, the collar of the uh, Pope flapped up in the wind. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw yeah, that yeah. One. Spitz Venom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of seeing a Jurassic Park. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> oh, that was hilarious. You know, it's just, I mean, we have such unrealistic expectations of what we think is going to happen that are, now, I've, I've heard, and I haven't got any actual proof, but I've heard that, that my videos on um, the Antarctic have gone ballistic in China. Because wow. basically, I'm saying is good news, guys. Oh, yeah. You're not 100 million crossing over the river Euphrates to, you know, engage in the final battle, because the scriptures are clear. There is something that has never been before and will never be again. This is not even happening there. Going back to the original languages and everything, it's all about the Antarctic and what's happening over there. Mm-hmm. This is- yeah. Plus, uh, Kim Clement said that. Uh, uh, China will be a Christian nation, and it will uh, eventually support Israel. So, um, I think the person, I think the days of communism are going to actually die within China at some point well, here. Yeah, not not necessarily as the government itself is backing or joyful or, or wanting this transaction. Uh, they. I hate to say it, but when when we literally gave them Hong Kong, that was a inner working that we kind of knew that um, the enterprise system works, communism doesn't, and now the Jap the Chinese people realize, wow, you know, this uh, free enterprise stuff really works well. Look at this. Look at what it's done for all of us. So I mean, it's helped them see that. That's part of a, a a theocratic basis on you know on what a Christian nation does, and so they've embraced Christianity, they embraced Western civilization. Um, it's kind of to their undoing. And now the revival. I mean, what's going on in in China? We the people, Chinese people, uh-huh. they love Jesus Christ. Yep, oh, yeah, they do. Women droves. Yep. Because they see his hand upon our nation, they understand us, and they want to be like us. They want to be us. Well, you know what? I hope they come and start evangelizing America because we become a pagan nation. They are becoming a Christian nation. They said that the rate of evangelism going on right now in China, that in the next 20 years, they're going to be the Christian nation of the world. (laughs) Uh Maybe they'll send missionaries to the United States and bring us back to where we belong. Yeah. As long as they don't carry AK forty sevens. Okay. That's okay. Our AR fifteens are just as good as the AK forty sevens now. Although they still have a unique a uh, uh, thing about. I mean, when you make a weapon, 
that can shoot not only your own uh, bullets, but your enemy's bullets, too. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> they did. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Oh. So, okay, so we, we broached that subject. So, um, so Mr. Trump's still got a lot of work to do, and God's got a lot of work to do through Mr. Trump. And uh, so do you see a lot of churches praying for him, a lot of people praying for him? Or I, oh. I, I've, I've mm. you know, in my lifetime, I've... <laughs> I've I've experienced a lot of uh, churchianity, and um, I've always had people, you know, that that could very well um, they had the resources to help in many ways, but their common thing was I'll pray for you, and you know darn well that when they went home they didn't do it, you know. That's well, always been a cop out. I've seen it. Yeah. Churches. Well, I can I can tell you that. I won't say what church I attend or where, um, but um, my pastor definitely has Trump derangement syndrome, which I do think a lot of people in church leadership and a lot of 501c3 churches have. Uh -huh. um, it's interesting that they're blinded like they are. Not all, but I think there's a good number of them. And the one thing that I thought was interesting was I was talking to a deacon and, uh, you know, a lot of our uh, charitable givings are, have been going down uh, because of the way uh, the tax system has been changed under Trump. Yeah. And so I knew that was going to happen, by the way. Right? And yeah. that's what 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 have it. What I, and I, it's all probably in preparation which i keep talking about the file in c3 and why it needs to die and right. why the tax system is probably going to be one of the the trigger points of it but basically they made it in a in a way that um they, they noticed that their their charitable givings were going down because of the change in the tax law and i said to the deacon i said now why aren't these people giving it like they did before. I said, if it's all about giving to the church, the, the, the giving is still tax exempt for the church. So that part is fine. Uh huh. So why is it going down? Right. That's very, very, very easy. These, there's people with money that use the church as a, as a way of tax write off. That's what they're doing. Right. Right. Yep. And when that goes away, you see the true tent of heart for the giving, right? right? It's not for the church. It's it's yeah. for their benefit. Well, that affects the church. That affects the fact that, you know, people have been given their money and in exchange for giving money, they have power in the church. And I'm not saying every person that's wealthy is, is bad, but what happens is, is you put people in leadership that don't necessarily, they have business skills per se for making money, but maybe they don't necessarily have the spiritual skills to be in that position but that's all that the leadership cares about is the people with the, the top 20 percent right uh they only care about them and what they have to say they don't give a, a rat's you know behind about any of the other 80 percent and you see this mimicked all over church after church after church um i've heard of a church in my own town where all the wealthy people got together they went and built their new their their own church and they left all the poor people behind oh Oh, yeah. Good. Yep. So, but we'll I talk I, about the ultimate lukewarm church. Right. Yep. 
Well, because you know, because they're not like them, or you know, there's the prosperity uh, gospel idea as well. You must be sinning in your life because you don't, you're not doing as well as I am. That type of thing, or you know, that that type of of nonsense. I think that is the 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 proof of the worldly concept. I mean, the problem is that um, within some churches that I do even know, one that I went to, it's structured completely wrong backwards it is and is it because you have people that um are the biggest tithers that end up being on the board um by influence and and it's and again the influence isn't necessarily based on greed it's not even necessarily based on um any kind of evil intent it's just these are the people that know how to make money know how to promote know how to be successful so okay we want them they have business structure gifting and abilities in administration we need them to be leading the church to be the elders of the church right um and so this is how it ends up happening so the problem with that though how many of those people even though they have administrative gifting how many of those have been trained in the fivefold word ministry practically none zero well, yeah, that's the big thing. The other thing I run into, and I don't know if you run into this, is, um, um, you know, like in my church, we have good people, we have bad people, and honestly, it's some of these people that are in the position of power, there's a number of them that shouldn't be there. Uh, personally, I know of some of them that they're not very good people, and I, I know of of things that they've they've cheated people in our own community with you know but right. here they maintain this power because they have money and they're in the position of leadership where maybe they shouldn't be but yet you know that's that's what's going on well the thing is there needs to be a clarity between administrative gifting <clears throat> and fivefold word gifting and that's where there's not a clear vision. So, and, and by that, I'm saying that that is what a lot of the people that are doing pretty wicked, evil things, I don't think really intend to be wicked or evil. This is just business. This is how I conduct business. This is how I've been successful. This is what we have to do. No, don't you understand? That is not the scriptural, biblical, proper thing. Well, how, do they, how can they be accounted to know that when they've never yeah. been taught that? They've never right. been the fivefold ministry of the word. So everything is, in a crude way, backwards. It's wrong. It, it, yeah. So the it is. That we have. So when when a, a board of, of leadership, eldership, is picking a new pastor, that's their administrative job, and rightfully so. But what are they picking? And this is where it's pivotal. Are they picking someone? Here's what actually is happening. They're picking someone. Can this pastor follow our lead? Is he capable of accepting our leadership? This is what we're looking for. If he isn't, we don't want him. If he does, good. Then we can, you know, everything can function and run um, in a good manner. What they should be doing is, am I willing to follow him? Am I willing to relinquish my authority and submit to him to be the shepherd of the sheep. No. They're not looking for that. They're looking for someone, to, a pastor, to follow them instead of them willing to follow the pastor. 
because there's where the transfer of authority should be. The board of elders should pick and choose someone that they themselves are willing to submit to, to be the pastor, the head of the sheep. I agree. I, I agree with all that, Jim, but that's exactly what we have. But the person leading, uh, one of his first things that he did was when he came in, he the, the church actually was owned by the people of the congregation. Mm-hmm. Well, he got that changed so that the, the, the church facility, building, everything belongs to the denomination. Oh, nice. So that if the church ever, you know, if they ever wanted to make changes that would want, you know, the church, church to split, they get the asset of the yeah. church building itself. That's all by design. It's all yeah. by design. So I, I agree with you, Jim, but what happens when, you know, they do do that, which is exactly what I we have in place, but the guy is corrupt. <laughs> you know? Pastor, I was an assistant pastor of a church that um, no. I call them a stealth uh, Southern Baptist church. They were stealth because they wouldn't use the word Baptist, but you know they yeah. they were. Uh, and had I known that, I probably would have never been a part of it. But you uh, you should have seen the look on his face when I told him that Trump is probably going to end up modifying the five hundred one c three or getting rid of it completely for churches. You should have seen the look <laughs> in his eyes yeah, because the reality is this. You you could still go ahead and give to that church. It's tax exempt, but you'll find the true intent of your giving yeah, with right. it, right? Right. Because now these wealthy people can't, you know, use it as a tax write-off for them for their benefit. And when that happens, however this shakes out, even if it, I don't know if the the five hundred one c will the three just get modified or if it'll be completely dismantled. But you'll see all kinds of Church, you know, buildings and stuff, people, churches going bankrupt. They're right. going to collapse. The, the they're going church, to collapse. The church is going to be but, strong. Going to be but the one. but uh, what the thing that um, uh, Mark Taylor's echo is that home churches are going to become very, very popular, and they're going to be on every other street. Right. That's what's going to end up happening. Um, the warning that I have on that is that. Um, let's hope that the fivefold word ministry exists in these home churches, and I think most of them will. Um, and I think it'll be a spirit-centered, oriented, you know, kind of a situation where the fivefold word, because the fivefold word ministry is a check and balance for everything, um, and creates the unity. And that is not what exists in most mainstream big mega churches. No. Yeah, they're corporations run like businesses. I mean, that's just what they are. They're corporately structured. They run just like a business. When you have to have a promotions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. When you have to have a promotion um, uh, PR man for the church. Are you kidding? That's what the Holy Spirit's supposed to be for. If you're doing the right thing, you don't need PR. Your no. PR is the Holy Spirit, you goof. Yeah, that's the truth. But I can definitely tell there's going to be a triggered event um, coming, you know, as, as far as the 501c3 and probably other uh, mechanisms of trigger events that's going to uh, have people that are in a traditional 501c3 church that's going to shift them to getting out of it um, and having them being led to probably a home church or you know, I'm not saying there can't be 
church facilities where they're non 501c3. I'm sure there will be. Um, but a lot of the big ones, um, especially the mega churches, they're not, they're not going to survive because their model was based on this system being in place. Yeah. So something yeah. to keep in mind. Well, I uh, think Peter addresses that in his uh, epistle um, where he says that there'd be a great shaking up and everything that is not founded on the Lord is going to be seen for what it is. It's, there's, it's going to be shook up. By uh-huh. So all the man-made doctrine that, yeah. that is uh, garbage is going to be shown and revealed for what it is. And then those things that remain are going to be strong and and real. So it yeah. it's a way of uh, getting us all on the same page. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, when you say that, you know, we're rich and we have all the resources because we're successful because we're doing the right thing and you must be doing something wrong because look at look at your life full of strife and and poverty. Um, they're gonna eat their words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's gonna come. It's gonna come back to them. You know, I just. Um, but you, you know, five hundred one c threes don't just apply to churches. Okay, they apply to most charitable organizations, right. scientific right. testing so, for public safety, Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Yeah, so t- educational fostering of national and international amateur sports yeah. and prevention of cruelty to animal and children. That's the one I would want, not want yeah. to see go away. So we're we're basically unequally yoked with other organizations that are 501c. That's part of the problem. That's part of the right. um, as Mark Taylor echoed the um, the bail system that's in place. We've enslaved our, our churches to that system, and that's why we gave away our authority. And you, know, you can almost track it back to when that was signed um, by Lyndon B. Johnson and the church took, you know, hook, line, sinker. Right. From then on, you know, prayer in school was gone, abortion, you know, gay marriage is just all a trickle effect. And, you know, you notice how a lot of churches, they don't seem to have much of a, an effect on really changing things. It's because we're basically um, spiritually enslaved and under uh, kind of a spiritual curse is what Mark Taylor would echo. So to break that curse, you have to break the 501c3. You got to break away from that system to free us from the curse. And when you get free from that curse, then your eyes are open and then you can begin to see what's really truly going on um, and has been going on. So, right. but until that happens, it's going to be tough. So, yeah. Well, you know, uh, I think Ralph Epperson did a wonderful job of describing uh, uh, constitutionally, I think if you look at what is it, the first, uh, oh, the first article, uh, the eighth section, I think, I can't remember, but it basically gives uh, Congress sole authority to everything, um, and, and to everything within a 10 mile square radius, which incidentally is Washington, D.C., and the rest of the country falls under different laws, uh, supposedly, anyway, and, but, Okay, so you're going, okay, so Congress has sole authority over Washington, D.C., unless you join that organization, okay? Think of it as a business uh, deal with, with covenants or, um, or contracts that you make. Well, how do you, how do you join that? Well, one way is through the 501c3. You become a ward of the government. Another one is through the Social Security card and Social Security tax, which we all take advantage of sooner or later. You know, so once once that you sign a contract with them, that's when you're in league with them. So um, I know that I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, you know, that 
Social Security is a bad thing or anything because, frankly, I'm looking forward to it. I paid into it just like you are and Jim has for many years, you know. And uh, but I, you know, because we deserve it because we pay into it, you know, and so do our parents and and, you know, and other uh, relatives and, and stuff that have uh, earned it from one way or another. But, um, you know, so. The 501c3 is, is one avenue that the church has got, you know, went through to uh, to get into it. Uh, but the rest of us are unfortunately uh, involved in it anyway. Um, but hopefully that that'll be all rectified someday. And, uh, and we won't have to worry about being attached to them um, in any way, shape or form. But I don't think I'll see that in my lifetime, to tell you the truth. Ooh, there's a sudden silence. <laughs> it's it's pretty grim. I mean, you know, the thing is that Congress is kind of all of government is trying to throw it back to us, Democrat and Republican. Right. We're almost throwing it back that um, some kind of entitlement. It's not a dark entitlement. This that I paid into a system that is supposed to put back me when I need it. It's right. my money. Exactly. To borrow a loan or give away to other people, especially illegal immigrants and people that have ill will towards this country. You're going to give them my money? I don't mm-hmm. think so. Mm-hmm. I work hard for that money. It is mine. If I went on a, a an interest rate over the time period of 40 years that I've worked you owe me $250,000. You're going to pay me up? Am I ever going to see that? Heck no, I'm never going to see any part of that. No. You have no. the audacity to tell me that I made seven. I made $18,000 last year, and that is too much, so I don't qualify for um, Medicaid to go right. along with my Medicare. Are you kidding me? Right. Well, by the way, and I'm a veteran too, and so that still doesn't mean anything more. There's This is just weird. So the quietness is that if that's how I've already gotten the short end of the stick, how about the younger generations? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially for me, you know, really? I don't it think is. it'll be there, you know, yeah. my children. So it's, it's really hard. Um, that's why I'm honestly, I'm really, really just kind of open and praying that um, I'm not going to have to live to retirement. I'm yeah. hoping that this thing gets all wrapped up, but yeah. you know, I uh-huh. not. That's obviously probably maybe a little bit of selfish thinking on my part, but I just don't see how, you know, my generation, and I, I would say I'm a pretty relatively conservative person uh, in tar- terms of uh, debt and all that type of thing. But, I, you know, I'm doing everything in my power, but it's it's just not going to be enough. It's just, it's unreal. It's Even if, yeah. How history has taught us to venerate certain people as if they were some great pioneer and no president in United States history. And yet they are the most lecherous traitors, deceivers, liars, thieves that have ever existed. And I'm talking about Frank Delano Roosevelt. Yeah. I'm talking about Woodrow Wilson. Right. And he's, uh, Woodrow Wilson, I think, is maybe more naive than anything else. But I yeah. think it's connections to his own history, too. But Delano Roosevelt, no way. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was a socialist communist right from the beginning. That's what his whole program was. He was also part of the international yeah. bank. Well, you got to you got to remember every 
you know, not every president, but the vast majority of presidents that we've had have been all selected and chosen by the elite. That's right. With the exception of a few. Um, like uh, Abraham Lincoln. Like- Abraham Lincoln would be one, obviously assassinated. Uh, you know, JFK, he didn't go along with it. Assassinated. Um, Reagan. Reagan, uh, I think, initially um, was on our side. He got a, you know, attempt on his life, and then I think, you know, he kind of went with the show after that, unfortunately, because he chose what's his name as his VP, uh, H.W. Bush. Um, and there, I don't know, I don't know if there's been any others other than that. Um, yeah, Trump, was, obviously. Uh, I think either, either Harding or uh, Cleveland, I think, was trying to get. Uh, they wanted to uh, establish a, a Federal Reserve Bank back then, and he was opposed to it. And yeah. he died of food poisoning, but he he died right. at the same table he was eating at. Nobody else got food poisoning. Yep. Yeah, imagine yeah. that. Yeah. So, so you oppose the bankers, you die. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Well, that's and and that's it. That that's it, pretty much in a nutshell. I I hate to say it in a, in a story that I can't even begin to get into tonight, but but I believe that um, there's already been a connection to the Bohemian Grove and a certain ritualistic thing that every president since the Bohemian Grove became a reality. Um, has had that every one attending that, except for Donald Trump, yes, right, has been seduced into um, a ritual. Stop making them a normal human being. Right. I and agree uh, with that. something happened. Now, Donald Trump was there, but something happened that disrupted. And he didn't go through with the rest of the ritual. Yeah. And he was able to avert being a complete taker. They didn't realize that until later when he, you know, obviously he won the election. He was a maverick doing everything against them. Then they realized, oh my God, he didn't, he didn't do what he was supposed to do. He's a loose cannon. Yeah, right. That's why they've been so crazily insane trying to get rid of him because they know he's not one of them. Right. Well, uh, Newt Gingrich uh, echoed that on a, on a show on Fox. You know, they, they, they posed that question. I said, why, why is everybody so crazily after this man, you know? And Newt said it, you know. Well, he didn't, um, how do they say this? I'm probably not quite saying it verbatim, but he didn't He's not one of. Uh, he didn't take. Uh, he's not part of the. He didn't take the initiation. Yeah. He's not part of the secret societies. Yep. In his statement that he actually made right on TV, so there tells you, Jim. He did not take the initiation. Right. He didn't. Which that's really that's kind of, why. It kind of hurts me in a way because I really loved Ronald Reagan. I thought that man. Was I know. Crazy. I know. And I, I think in his own thinking, he thought, well, I can do better on the inside than being totally on the outside. Yeah. yeah. I, think you know, he tr- I think he tried. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't the full attempt of where it should have been. It was back in 2016. It says, former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich told Fox News Bill O'Reilly last night 
that the establishment is scared of Donald Trump because he didn't belong to the secret society and wasn't involved in any of the rituals associated with such groups. Yes. There you go. Verbatim. Verbatim. So understanding is that every president since the Bohemian Grove and the Bohemian Grove is only the more visible predominant thing. There's probably been this occult click all the way back through our entire history, going all the way back to the the very inception of our country. Right. Uh, They have ensured that everybody has lockstep into the system. Mm -hmm. And it's the one maverick that has not yielded to that system. And that's why the, the vehement hatred against him, it's more spiritual than it is anything else. This oh, yeah. It's totally spiritual. It's oh, not yeah. controlled. Uh, so it's hard for people to understand that we are actually dealing with human beings that are in league with um, Satan and, and entities that are beyond space and time. These guys have got accepted a false sense of eternal life. They have accepted a false ability to manipulate time and space. Mm-hmm. That's what we're up against. Well, you know, it might seem like overwhelming odds, but you know what? If if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we've got the creator of all the time and space, and he's got all the time and space in the world. Right. <laughs> Just like right. we're on the winning side. So we don't have to be full of anxiety. We don't have to worry about these things. Like that poor lady, that real estate, you know, that at, not the real estate, that at a state sale. She had all the insight as to what's going on, but she didn't have a hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. That's the key. You know, Jim, you you brought up, I think it was last week or the week before, a couple of times actually, uh, about Star Trek. And, you know, it just, man, it just, bam, all of a sudden hit me. You know how they had the transporter in, in Star Trek? And there were a few times where I think one time Kirk came back and there was two different Kirks. Yeah. Uh, another time, I think somebody came back and there was something inside of them. Um, boy, boy, howdy. You know, you talk about, um, you know, this this time travel and stuff like that. What if what if they've tried that and they've come back with uh, with the altered DNA and and, uh, you know, they're not like you said, they're not totally human. You know, what if the uh, the big elites like Soros and, and, and a lot of them that we can't even, you know, don't even know about. <clears throat> have done that and and they're part of that um powers uh uh spiritual wickedness in high places and stuff because they have actually been changed um i know that uh well you see it on the on every once in a while and you really have to take it with a grain of salt you see this they'll, they'll show uh like a picture of queen elizabeth and her eyes turn to slits and then turn back yeah. to normal you know, yeah. a lot of that I think can can be photoshopped, or it could be, you know, and it, people can go into iMovie and change stuff like that. But you know, you got to wonder if, if there's a, a a truth, a partial truth to what they're trying well, to show us. We've had people on our program before, Dave, and people that I know, I know them to be good, solid Christians who love Jesus. I know them to be cognitive people that aren't delusional or crazy, mm-hmm. and they swear they have seen that. Right. I don't doubt them. I don't doubt him a bit. Yeah. Uh, well, well, my my military friend was talking about um, something he came across about they have a technology that allows them to look into the future mm-hmm. and, and past, and th- they use that this machine to 
to basically look at outcomes based on decisions they want to make. Right. And the thing that was stated was they're they're trying to get a particular outcome, but they, right. they, they it, it 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 keeps on not working out to their <laughs> no matter what they try to do. Uh huh. They can't oh. get the outcome Jim. to come out to their de- desire. <laughs> Jim, Jim brought this up years, a couple of two, yeah. three years ago. Remember, yeah. uh, you were talking and about how they they're just per, the they're just perplexed. They're perplexed as to why they can't get the outcome that they they want because that they're is- not <laughs> able to go all the way to the end to see what the end result Bingo. is. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yes. No, they they can, can either because there's an end of linear time to existence yes. on this realm that we call reality. Right. So they're basically just going back and forth in this linear time uh, timeline, beginning to end, but they can't go beyond it. So, right. by Amazon um, Prime Movies, um, and it's it's an Amazon feature. It's called Man in the High Castle, and it is the main theme of the entire movie. You don't know it at first. You see, this is a parallel um, dimension world. Like, what if? Uh, the Nazis bombed Washington, D.C. and won the war, you know, with the America bomber and, and they flew it and successfully and, and uh, had the bomb before we did and won World War II. Well, then you see this whole, the first two seasons opens up with that idea that, that the Nazis had won the war and so that uh, uh, the eastern section of the United States from Mississippi to the east was under the, it was the Fourth Reich and the Japanese had taken the West Coast and become victorious on the uh, west side of uh, the Mississippi. And then a little strip of the between the Mississippi was a neutral zone. Well, movies started showing up, showing an alternate reality where in our reality where we won the war. And this was inspiring a, um, a resistance against it. But Hitler knew what was going on he was collecting all of these things because he saw them as a multiverse in other words multi-universes alternate realities and so he was looking for the one where the whole world didn't get destroyed where they could control everything (laughs) (laughs) oh 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 here's a (laughs) i never thought of it that way at the close of this final movie, somebody had told me that this this was um, in one just in, in like two frames of a flash of a second. And this is where, you know, at the now this is the last season this year. I can't wait until it comes out. Um, wait a minute. Let's see. December, November. Yeah, season, season four, I think it's coming out, right? Whoa, yeah. It's coming out this month, I think, sometime. I'm going to find out when. Anyways. Um, man, when they it, it ends up that the Nazis are real, they realize uh, this multiverse, and now they're they they're searching for the one scenario that's going to make them rule not only this their realm, all the realms on possibility alternate universes. Now they're going to conquer all these alternate universes. <laughs> so, oh man. In the close, as this one scenario happens, there's this, they lock themselves up in this mountain fortress and a, um, a big industrial type door closes them off from the rest of 
the world. And as it closes, there's a symbol of the Rebel Alliance in Star Wars. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. That's that's so, not too shocking that to me. Before, before the Force, the power, and all of Star Wars existed, when Obi-Wan Kenobi once talked about the time before all of this happened, he was describing a world that had existed before that. It was our world. Huh. Weird. Yeah, I mean, interesting. this is stuff you can't make up. This is part of programming, part of conditioning, part of let's see what happens next. Just like the last the last Starship Discovery, um, the last comment was made on the last episode and the last word where when the future becomes the past, the present will be revealed. Right. That's a mind bar because that's exactly our reality and everything we're faced with today. So yeah, coming cosmic crisis is probably going to come with a, you know, he'll, he'll come with a, a little Star Trek, um, comm unit. He'll explain the whole, um, um, reason why they never manifested before, because we were a pre, um, intergalactic society. We know we were pre-warp, but now we've achieved it. So now we're introduced into a, a, a bigger community and they're here to get it right. One of nine people and Jesus being one of the nine, that's face <laughs> nine. I mean, it's, Oh boy. I mean, when I started all these things coming together, it was just like mind blowing because I've been a Trekkie. I mean, I don't, I didn't learn Klingon. Well, I do know a little bit of Klingon. <laughs> Not, not only because I watched all the programs, not because I studied it or anything, but it always seemed kind of silly to study a non-existent language for non-existent people. But trust uh, me, they've turned it into a language. It's a full language now. Oh, I know it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I said, I can speak a little bit of it. Not to get me in trouble anyway, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like my Spanish too. I I know all the wrong stuff in Spanish. Yeah. There was a um, an episode. I I don't know if you ever watched Frasier. I get a kick out of it every once in a while. And uh, he wanted to learn. His son was going to be bar mitzvah, and he wanted to learn Hebrew. Well, this one guy taught him Klingon, and uh, so he gets <laughs> up to do a prayer during a ceremony, and it sounds like oh. Hebrew, you know, with the guttural and everything like that. Yeah. Right, yeah. And the rabbi comes up and he goes, "What kind of gibberish was that?" And the kid in the audience goes, "That wasn't gibberish. That was Klingon." <laughs> <laughs> wow. so, and then the kid explained well it roughly translates out to and what what he really wanted to say you know but <laughs> it's hilarious but it just goes to show you how far now that's what back in the 1990s that show came out you know so if they yeah, had a full it, language yeah. of, of klingon back then you know it's lord knows what it's it's come to today you know but um uh, that would be uh, if they ever need code breakers in the next war. That would be a good language uh, for. I'll tell you, you know, it would be. It really would. <laughs> of course, I got the feeling that Muslims are going to understand it. You know, they're they're just so much like the same. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, which means I reminded. I got to get you that. Um, I didn't get the T-shirt connection. Oh yeah, the link for that other thing. Yeah. Armed. Uh, Armed infidel. Uh-huh. In Arabic, it says armed infidel, and then underneath it, it says in English, armed infidel. Right. And 
I want to, I really want to get that because I, you know, the What's going Eric, do you hear a... Yeah, I, it's, it sounds like Jim's audio cut out for a little bit there. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, you didn't want me to say that. Okay, no. well, anyways. All right, you're okay now. To me, I'm armed. I'm an armed infidel because I'm armed with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only hope for every Muslim on this planet. Yeah. Because their future has already been charted out and proclaimed in the Word of God in two different scriptures, one in Ezekiel, um, where, uh, what's her name? My goodness, come on. Um, oh. The mother of Ishmael. Yeah, um, Hagar. 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 Hagar, yeah. thank you. Hagar. Hagar is told that your son, uh, let's see, how does it go? It says, um, he will be a wild man. Wild and, the donkey of a man, and that he'll live in the tent of his brothers, and that he will not get along with his brothers. Oh, and he, <laughs> he will, he will, yeah, it says that he will be a wild man against all, everyone against him, and he shall dwell in the midst of his brother. Um, What's going on with your video, your audio, man? <laughs> yeah, it gets real quiet for a second there. Every time he tries to say that, Really? That's yeah, good. now now you're fine again. Yeah. I, I mean, I get the gist of what you were saying. <clears throat> Basically, you know, their hand will be against uh, everyone, and everybody will be against them. Um, and that's exactly what you what you see now. You know, it's just. And yet they well in the midst of all their brethren, and where right everywhere. Yep. I everywhere. They invade. That's how they take over from within. They immigrate into becoming the dominant um, people. And yet, in Ezekiel 38 chapter, their destiny, jihad's destiny, is already outlined. They end up becoming bird food for the fowls of the earth on the sides of the mountains of Israel. Something is going to cause them to be driven out to where they have no other choice than to go ahead and make a post attack against Israel. And they get wiped out. Well, you know what? I think that in the reset, and Muslims, I, I don't despise or hate you. Your only hope is in Jesus Christ, not Muhammad. Muhammad is a false moon god, pagan moon god that uh, has absolutely nothing to do with the god of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. Every knee shall bow before the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> You're not going to be bowing to Allah. Eh, well, you could be. Yeah. Um, we also probably should just dis- disclose the fact, you know, there will be um, you know, Arabs that will um, come to Jesus. And in fact, uh, you know, in, in the Middle East, that's already starting. Um, just growing group of uh, new believers the in the Middle East. Right. And uh, one of the things that Kim Clement had echoed was uh, in one of his prophetic messages is that uh, there's going to be Damascus Road conversions of uh, Muslims that are in high leadership. Um, that's going to cause uh Christianity to spread like wildfire. Um so but that's what's that's what's gonna take uh within Islam in general. Because obviously we understand the concept of two seeds. So within the Arab group there is, you know, obviously his his children, God's children. So he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna gather them. You're growing up in a society 
and you're told that this is your enemy, hate them, that yep. God wants you to hate them, that you have to, you'll be rewarded in heaven if you take them out, as many as you can. You know, and you've been conditioned that. My Bible says where sin abounds, grace is greater. God has actually appeared, Jesus has appeared to many Muslims saying, I am your Lord. Damascus Road experience, just like um, Kim Clement says, um, they're having these experiences because God needs to reach out to them. And the only way he can, because sin abounding so bad, is to actually manifest in, in person to them. Yes. Uh, the odds of those children, you know, being told they're taught how to to abuse and torment animals so that they can be acclimated into seeing a dehumanization of, of their whole mindset, their whole subconscious. I mean, that is not, it's, it's so sick, it's so demanding, it's so demonic that um, a lot of those poor people just haven't had a chance from birth. So God's reaching out to them. So, right. I, right. So, yeah, but, you know, but still, what I want to do is I want to show them these scriptures. When I used to do the shows at Gibraltar and we had the Muslims, I was always like almost across the aisle from the Muslims. And I had myself out, the three frogs, and describing how one of the three frogs is uh, Islam. And they'd come over and they'd ask me about it. And one time they sent a Bible scholar over there, or, or uh, let's say a scholar who was also a Bible scholar. You know, he knew he knew the word pretty darn good. The only thing is I had the anointing of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> You're not going to be no match for that, dude. I'm sorry. Right. And, and I told him, I said, well, you know, I, I read the Quran, and that's why I thought I'd better get more guns and more ammo. <laughs> he looked at me surprised, and I said, look, you guys, I know your intent. I know Takiyah. I know um, what Sharia law is, and I know the demitude. And I understand what condition I'm in because I am never going to capitulate. I'm never going to give up the name Jesus Christ. He is Lord and God and creator of all. And I said, and you're being warned. Your jihad is going to end up. You're going to be bird food on the sides of the mountains of Israel. You're not going to win. America, you'll never take over. You're going to be booted out of here. Yes. I want you to remember this someday. You're going to think I'm just some crazy little ball-headed old man. But God loves you, and I care about you, and I want to see you have a hope for a future. So someday you're going to remember the things I told you. You're going to see these things as reality, and hopefully you're going to remember and cry out to the name, the only name that you can be saved, and that's Jesus Christ. So I'm armed as an infidel with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only hope for any of us, no matter who we are. So I want to get that shirt. I can't wait. It's only fourteen ninety nine. That's not bad. <laughs> not too bad. You know, to, to clarify what the scripture says, you know, because we kind of took pot shots at it, figuring out what it was. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's Genesis uh, sixteen, or excuse me, Genesis sixteen, nine through twelve, um, and it says, "The Lord, then the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority.' Uh, for some reason, it leaves out ten. I don't know why." Uh, the angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has given heed or heard your affliction. Um, and he will be a wild donkey of a man. And the words in Hebrew are para, adam. Uh, his hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him, and he will live to the east of his, all of his brothers. That's what it says. So. Anyway, just a little clarification so that no one can tell us that we misquoted scripture. <laughs> right. 
Right. Which version was that? You know what? I have no idea. I just. So I know that's not the King James version, but no, not the, no. Uh. Uh-uh. It sounds like it might have been the Jerusalem Bible. I'm not sure. It Which is still it, it that's direct that's Septuagint to uh, modern English. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, and that one is particularly interesting because uh, when Cain was sentenced to wander in the land of Nod, east of Eden, it was in the earth, hidden from the surface. Mm-hmm. It actually says hidden from the surface? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, validation. And More validation. Yep, that was direct translation from the um, from the Septuagint to um, modern English uh, by the Jews themselves. So, yeah. yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, all the other versions assume well, there's it can't be in the earth, so it's got to be on the earth. Uh, no, no. So yeah, that's man. Interesting. So much. You know, when you were saying about the rich elite, you know, we were talking about how they, you know, have privy to, let's assume that they have privy to travel through time, to have a um, sense of immortality. Um, How many of them do you think would love to be able to go and hunt down a triceratops and, you know, big game hunting or maybe, you know, just game, big game hunting all over, you know, everywhere, anywhere. Mm -hmm. Probably happened. Well, we've got the evidence. We've we certainly got now the Triceratops thing. I went and backtracked because I wanted to find out more specific details. One of one of our listeners to a regular listener to our program um, asked. He says, "Hey Jim, you know um, what's the specifics?" I thought you were joking. You were serious about that. And I said, "Oh yeah, I'm serious. I mean, um, some of it was confirmed by our conversation with um, Jonathan Gray." And uh, so I went back to get more accurate detail on it. You know what? I can't find anything on it. Huh. Stegosaurus has disappeared. Huh. Now, three, four years ago, he was everywhere. There was all kinds of stories, you know, and, and showed the uh, skeletal, you know, the, the fossil and the, the bullet hole entry and the whole shot. Now I can't find nothing. I mean, what I do find is uh, silly cartoons and some other, you know, uh, things, but nothing that once existed on, you know, but you know how that goes. I mean, I know this one guy that had all kinds of Hitler stuff and got um, booted off of uh, YouTube for hate speech. So, yeah, (laughs) every there for a while and then all of a sudden you're gone as if it never happened. Yeah, YouTube just changed their uh, policies again, terms and conditions again, and they pretty much say that pretty much everybody's going to be booted off except the big uh, commercialized corporations. So no, no one. There's gonna be no one left um, on there. That's you know a small mom, mom, pop thing. Yeah, they're all gone. It's they're just well, slowly taking like it all away. Commercialized television. Nobody wants to watch that. Well, so that's what they. Well, what they. Well, that's what they want to do. They yeah. actually they sell a, a YouTube um, service now for TV, but I I refuse to participate in it. So right. As far as I'm concerned, you. YouTube can just um, collapse, you know what? In, which in mind, it probably will. In my mind, what they're doing is like I should be thanking them. You know, thanks, guys. When that class action lawsuit comes in for, um, uh, oh, it's it's actually under an, on the idea of uh, free trade representation kind of a thing. Trump is, is working on that right now. When this actually becomes incorporated and there's a, ma- a class action lawsuit, I'll be on the 
top of the list for, you know, retribution. So thank yeah, you. That's right. That's right. Like, huh, you know, interesting. Part of the problem, though, is they've banned people that were making them a lot of money. And what they're finding out is a lot of them that they banned, um, it's, it's causing YouTube to actually start losing money. Mm-hmm. It's an organization. Yeah. So their 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 assault to censor is actually crushing them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they uh, they just sent me something. I I you know because I upload to there all the time, and uh, now you have to get on. You have to use their beta now in order to put a video on there, and you have to tell them whether the the content you're putting on there is suitable for children, um, not suitable for children, or suitable for everybody. I think it is. Well, anyway, I wanted to find out what they considered a child, you know, and they consider a child, anybody, I think, 13 or 14 and under. Right. So when I was thinking, oh, well, you know, uh, I guess, you know, people that are 10 years old and stuff like that really can't understand a lot of the meat and potatoes that we talk about. So, yeah, I just marked it for, you know, it's it's not content that um, I'm pu- that I'm putting on there for children, you know, and um I'm like, yeah, I, I got no problem with that. Um, but at the same time, you know, what if there is like a young Sheldon out there or whatever that could understand it, you know, and won't be able to have access to it? Well, you know, they can always go into their parents' account or whatever. You well, know. if they got a young Sheldon, he's going to figure it out. So, yeah, exactly. But um, what did I led him to the Lord by um, um, the gospel of the flash. Yeah. That's right. So you know, right. they're out there. They're smart. They they've been programmed by the New World Order, and to get them reprogrammed according to what the Word actually says and all of that, um, it's possible. And I guess they know it, and that's why they want to keep kids protected so that they can continue to be conditioned into the blue pill society of uh, stupidity and and libtarbism. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know. It's. Uh, it's interesting to see how they're, you know, you, you read Hitler's comments and Lenin's comments about, you know, give me the children, give me one generation and I can control the world, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. And you see him trying to do it. But there's always going to be a, a group of uh, young people that are going to be uh, what they would call malcontents or something like that. Or, Even Elon Musk's, um, hey, you know, quantum physics has said this is all unreal anyway. So, hey, let's control your unreality. Yeah. Right. Your way, have it your way. You know, mm-hmm. same kind of a thing. Whether Elon Musk realizes it or not. Exactly, exactly. So it's all going to work out in the end. Yep. You know, it all works out in God's favor. So um, I don't know. It's just that's that's what makes me wonder about the. You know, you talk about insanity. You know. Uh, well, what does it say? The fool says in his heart, in his heart, there's no God, you know, and fools are basically insane people because insane people try to do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Um, when, especially when they fail the first time and second and third time, trying to do the exact same thing, maybe tweaking it a little bit, but it's still going to fail, you know. Um, so it's, you know, it's it's insanity is what it is. Well, they serve an insane God. You know, um, but uh, 
I, I was talking to you earlier, you know, that uh, my place of employment, you know, I, I deal with such people. And, uh, and I was saying to uh, somebody there the other day, I said, I said, yeah, I'm saying, you know, sometimes when I roam the halls here, you know, because let's face it, you know, when, when you look at our beliefs, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to people that, that are totally sold out to this world. You know, you believe in someone you can't see. You hear from somebody that you can't see. You worship somebody that you can't see. And, you know, and it has a lot of the hallmarks of, of, of psychiatric problems, you know, schizophrenia mainly, you know. Yeah. So I don't see what would stop them from saying, oh, well, you know, you're you're, you're hearing voices and you're you're responding to internal stimuli, you know. So we're going to just uh, stick you in an insane asylum for a while. And uh, so I was joking with one of the guys at work, and I says, well, I'm going to roam the halls. I'm just looking for what room I want. You know? <laughs> but I'm also well, looking for ways of escape. <laughs> yeah. uh, just your thought, Jim, on that. Do you think you see a scenario down the line where they – you know, what Dave stated where they will classify, um, Oh, absolutely. Belief in, uh, and I, you know, I don't know if it's specifically targeted to Christian Christianity alone, but maybe other groups as well, where they will label us as mentally ill. I do believe so. Yeah. They um, did it in the Soviet union, um, not only they did. Not okay. necessarily even in a secular sense, but in a sense that you have believed the, bad aliens you have believed the wrong ones that are misguided you and that's why you're so filled with hate and so such a narrow parameter you're not able to broaden your ways because you're just filled with this hate you're they drove you insane so we have to institutionalize you for your own safety and for mankind's safety so i definitely the yeah that's what i'm saying that the pendulum is going to swing one extreme to our favor but it's swinging back the other way. It's going to come back on us. Right. Because part of the whole process is part of the whole time prophecy um, situation. How many exact years doesn't matter. We'll find out when we get there. But what does matter is don't expect that everything's just going to be honky dory that, that, uh, that Trump is going to make America great again, and that's the way it's going to be, and we're going to present this to God, and he's going to be so happy and pleased with that we've redeemed the world. No, not going to happen, never. Well, not if, not if you believe in Scripture and the way the Scripture turns out. Well, and so the thing is, so the thing is, we have to be expected, I mean, for our part, for Christians to be faithful, it will appear that we will have a predominant upper hand for the first section, the first part, but things are going to swing the opposite way. We are going to have to be challenged to love not our lives, even unto death, for the sake of the gospel. And right. I hear from young people um, that just got saved, and <laughs> this one testament is one girl, it's like, oh, baby, so you've got to tough it up, you've got to buck up, man, and realize God wouldn't have me do manual labor. That is horrible. I'm not a you know, supposed to do that. I shouldn't have to work. You know, it's like, lady. Oh, boy. There's going to be times in your life when you're going to have to do the right thing because the right thing to do is going to be causing you every ill-willed thing to come upon you. But it's the right thing to do. I guess that's what Christians have to realize. we got to do what's right 
because it's the right thing to do. Don't start anticipating or, or figuring out, well, if I do, then this will happen or that'll happen. That's God's job to decide what's happening. You just do what's the right thing to do because you know it's the right thing to do in your heart. You let God take care of the rest. He'll figure that out. He's much better at running heaven and earth than you are, I am, or any of us are. Wow. Um, and that's what we have to condition ourselves to do. Just do what's right because it's the right thing to do. Don't try to figure out whether it's logical or not. Don't try to I mean, it wasn't very logical for um, Elijah to soak um, an offering that he wanted God to burn up with water. Right. Yet it was the way God was going to get the glory. Uh-huh. And what, no, say, what about all the, the, the Christians that were sent to the to the Colosseum to be chewed up by lions or gladiators and, yep. and, and, or sent to the mines or sent to the Isle of Patmos to live in a cave. That wasn't exactly the Hilton, you know? Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think people get it, but even, you know, I, I think I, you know, mentioning Genesis six to somebody, you know, in general, you know, people's response, Oh God would never let something like that happen. <laughs> I'm thinking, Oh, you don't, you don't get it. Right. Things are just too soft. We had a co-worker who used to say that to us, Dave. Remember that? Yeah. God let that happen to women. That wouldn't happen. Yeah. How dare you? Arrogant? What? If God was willing to give his only begotten son to sacrifice, to be beaten, to be ridiculed, to be mocked, to be abused more than any other human ever, Mm -hmm. don't you dare think that something like that is higher than that. If God's willing to go the limit to himself, for himself, by himself, everything else pales from that. That's right. He can't even make that equal. It's not even equal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, evil can run itself pretty rampant, pretty wild. Yeah, I never believed in the multiverse thing. Now it's the only dark that makes sense. It's the only thing, as I understand uh, quantum physics, it's the only thing that makes sense. So it's like sin has a ripple effect man that's almost like eternal i mean well you know it is is. yeah (laughs) so just to uh uh clarify something so we have a parallel dimension so this earth is a mirror image of the eternal one uh that god has correct yep so this mirror image the distorted one this parallel dimension that we live in off of that is it the offshoot of the multiverse. Is that correct? Yes. Isn't it, man? That's, we're really in a bind, man. We are really messed up. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make sure I had that right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny that you said that because um, in my museum, I've got it. I start out, okay, we are, um, you are here in a physical universe. So I show the Milky Way and, you know, right about where we're located, you know, in the Milky Way. It says, so we're, we have a physical presence in a physical universe. He said, although you're also here in a matrix, a computer matrix, it's not even real. Oh, and you're also here. Part of that matrix is part of a multiverse. And so what I got is scripture that says, you know, the one, the one scripture says that he is a, he has made everything right in his own time. The other scripture is that he is able to subdue all things unto himself. So looking at those scriptures, he's able to bring everything back together. So as sin has a, uh, you know, has its, I guess, initial start in an altered reality universe, 
that universe extrapolates itself beyond just the one to every person that ever existed. And what they do or don't do creates all these other alternate universes. So as we conform to the likeness of Christ, some of those implode and disappear. So the more we dis the more we are conformed to the likeness of Christ and not this world, the more of those alternate worlds just pop, they disappear, they implode. So that ultimately everything's going to come back to one. Heaven that we call heaven is actually earth that never fell. It always stayed within the realm of trust and faith in God. And so it grew and nurtured itself accordingly. So we call it heaven, but guess what? It's a very physical place. Streets of gold, you know, different levels and positions and everything. It's all reality. But it's this world that never, so it's a very physical world. But what we live on, we're living in a train model. It may, It's made to look like it's old, but it's not. You know, what does a train model have? It looks, you know, you got trees, you got a little city, but the trees have no roots. The city has no real people. They're all little glued on things that are, you know, and it's made to look like it's real, but it's not. So it's, is that, are the are the multiverses part of the created, God's creation then, or what? Well, God created all things. All things were created by him. Right. Biggest controversy in Genesis, between Genesis um, 1, 4, and 6, and 2. Yeah, 1, 2, 4, and 6. There is two creations mentioned in Genesis. Did you know that? Well, I know yeah. that there's, a, there's a main one, and then there's an extrapolation on it. Yeah. I, exactly, but God created both. Or at least, let's say, he allowed both to be created. So he created everything, one by extension one by intention. God intended to create man to live in an eternal environment with him in an, uh, as an eternal creature. But because of the fall, now we live in a parallel altered world mm -hmm. in, in a physical realm, but it's, it's a parallel and it's not even real. It's part of a computer matrix. That part of the computer matrix has extrapolated itself into infinity for every person that existed and did or did not do Man, it just it runs sin run rampant. Help me though, I'm trying to understand this. So, um, and I really am trying to understand it. Okay, so no, none hard. of these none of these things existed before God created the heaven and the earth. Then, right? Right, right, right. Okay, so when God destroys the the the, the present heaven and the present earth and makes all things new, because He calls it a new heaven and a new earth. Right. Right. Yep. That's that is going to be a totally new creation, and all those multiverses are going to disappear, or they're going to be destroyed with the original creation. Right, right. Yep. Okay. And why? Because you know why the original heaven has to be also. Because it because it, it, yeah. it ends up getting invaded, right? Yes. And the contamination. Bingo! It becomes contaminated mm -hmm. because something from the the temporal realm actually intruded into the eternal realm. I got allowed it. It's not like he didn't, you know, Oh, I didn't see that coming. Well, I'm God. I'm going to change it. No, he knew he had a plan. Hmm. And that's when the future, because, you know, we read in, in uh, revelation that Michael and his angels fought the, the devil and his angels and the devil prevailed on was cast into the earth and his angels also among him. 
we've we've always been taught, oh, that's ages, you know, some ageless time way, way in the past that happened. It hasn't happened yet. It's right. going to happen. That's what CERN's doing when it opens up the pit. Mm-hmm. He first descended, uh, he that first, he that ascended first descended into the bowels of the earth. That was Jesus. When he died, he first went into the earth. He didn't go back into heaven until 40 days later. So the Antichrist is going to do the same but opposite. Mm-hmm. He's gone in. He's not coming back out. Uh, I mean, he went into the earth to hell. Right. When he comes back out, he's not going. He's not going anywhere but heaven. He's going to invade heaven. This is his second coming. He thinks he's going to take over heaven. This is where I will ascend into heaven. I will be like the Most High. This is the five eyes of Satan. This is where he does it. I will be like the Most High. Be like the Most High actually means in a sense of a a death and a resurrection. He will be like the Most High. He is going to ascend into heaven. Why? So he thinks he's in his deluded, crazy mind. He's going to take over heaven. Not that he wants to take over God's heaven. He wants his own separate individual thing. Mm -hmm. So by the future actually now makes the past, which now reveals the present for what we need to know and the situation that we're in. So revelation literally means the unveiling the apocalypse. Right. I'm sorry, means the unveiling. So, you know, we're seeing everything happen almost as we see science fiction defining it for us. But science fiction, oh, you know, it has an element of truth, but then it has it's sandwiched in between a wrong premise and a wrong conclusion. So that's why uh, Gene Roddenberry, when he got all of his understandings of uh, the prime directive and, and all this other stuff, he got it from demonic entities that were being channeled by an Eastern mystic who is also a PhD scientist um, who Gene Roddenberry bought into this completely and said, man, we got to make some kind of fictional story to prepare mankind for what's about to happen. This stuff's really going to happen, so let's get them ready for what's going to happen. That's how the whole Star Trek episode started. Yeah. Well, and if, if, if uh, My question is if, if the the past, the, what was that? The future reveals the past, which reveals the present. The future, the future becomes the past. In other words, right. a paradox, a paradox has been right. created. In a that, circular... It seems to suggest that that everything is happening at the same time because there is in in God's heaven there is no no time. Well, so, in, it is hard to wrap your mind around it, but yeah, in a sense, that's what is happening. So the war is, has been happening since. Be, before the beginning of time and will happen until, up until the end of time. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. It's all a matter of perception. You know, yeah. when we stuck in a linear existence and that's why, you know, when, when there's scriptures that talk about soul sleep, mm-hmm. it's a reality. It's there in the scriptures. Don't deny it. Let's try to understand maybe what it is. When you, once you understand that eternity is outside of time, but we're locked into time. The idea of soul sleep, your soul sleeping, you know, all these thousands of years. Yeah. To relative to this time period, but immediately after you die, you go before the throne. You're either going to heaven or hell. Mm-hmm. Right then and there. That's outside of time. You right. can't think of your time. So that, you know, to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord to the Lord. So that's what happens. When the marriage supper of the Lamb, it's going to be instantaneous. It's outside of time. So whether you go or whether you stay left behind, you're still going to be at the same supper. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> when you die, it's all. 
I, I can't even wrap my mind fully around it because it's yeah. hard to when we're stuck in a three-dimensional reality and we're trying to comprehend a four-dimensional reality. It's just we can do the best we can, but that's where the scripture even promises. We will know even as we are known when we behold him face to face. And fellas, we're not looking at the Bible face to face. We're looking at Jesus Christ face to face in a four dimensional realm. And all of a sudden we know even as we are known. Right. The world goes on because we see everything from his perspective now. We get it. We don't we will never fully get it until then. Right. It says I have not seen you and heard what he's prepared for them, but these things have been revealed unto us by him. So these things are possible to a degree, but not fully. Right, right. That we can do is just kind of grasp at it. So, I mean, so even though as I, I say, okay, I kind of get it, I kind of get it. I don't fully get it because I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to go by what the promises and what, you know, what God's perspective says. So a lot of these doctrines that people want to argue and fight over, soul sleep doesn't exist. Yeah, it does. I'm sorry. It does when we're stuck in a linear time, but you're not going to notice it because right. when you, you're going, you're out of sight of time now, it doesn't count. It's kind of like when you get knocked out for an operation, you know, yeah. all time ceases to be, you know, one minute you're awake and then the next minute you're awake again. <laughs> kind, yep. of like Dorothy, kind of like Dorothy's dream, right? Yeah. Dorothy has this dream. She sees all these people and how they interact and interplay, and then she wakes up, and it's a wholly different scenario. But the same people, right. just a different, different scenario. Yeah. Good analogy. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's, that's interesting. The way it's going to be for us. It's like, wow. Man, was that a bad trip. Thanks, Lord. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you came, right, kid? Don't complain. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's funny. And what about those other two hundred, man? They, you know, they looked up, saw Hannibal, and saw Hitler strutting his stuff. Look what they did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Didn't do that, right? You know, you I know, was thinking uh, we were talking, you know, to go kind of backwards a little bit. You know, that five hundred one c three thing, and that makes a lot of it explains a lot of things. You know, because there's going to be a multitude of people that say. Uh, stand in front of Jesus and say, well, he's going to say, well, you know, depart from me. And they're going to say, well, when did we not feed you? When did we not do this? Well, they're giving their money in order for other people to do it. You know, so in, in essence, they didn't feed those people. They didn't, you know, it was like, here, I'm going to give you the money. You go do it. You know, but it's the people that actually go out there and feed the poor and and everything else. And uh so the you know eliminating the 501c3 would probably get rid of a lot of that too because the money doesn't matter anymore and they're not going to give it anymore well, because they're it, not it's all tied it. up in the administration of the building that's right i don't know if I, yeah, jim you're probably more familiar with this but i think from what i can tell at least in the case of my own church is that most of the budget is tied up in keeping the facility actually going and not much dollars get diverted to actual um, ministry or helping people in general, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're talking, they're talking right now. They want to tear down our sanctuary and build a bigger, better, better one. But honestly, we're not necessarily at full capacity anyway. So um, why bother doing it? You know what I mean? And actually, the the sanctuary itself is actually in pretty good condition, uh, other than I think it needs a new roof. But mm-hmm. so they're trying to decide whether to 
fix the roof or tear it all down and build a brand new sanctuary. Well, you know how you can get around that, Eric, is you can, when you write, I don't know if you write out checks for it. I just put money in, but um, if you write out the check and you designate in that little line in the lower left-hand corner that that money is to be sent to missions, by law, they have to use that money for missions. They cannot use it for the building fund. Well, our uh, we have we have those church envelopes, and on there you can actually designate it for one of the areas or yeah, but envelopes other get lost. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's true. If you put it on the check, you know you have a record that that's what you designated it for. And if it ever came up to where the you know the the veracity of the church came up before the law or anybody else. You could say, well, I don't know what they did with the money, but what the money that I gave was, you know, went, if you have a copy of your checks, especially went here, this one went here, that one was supposed to go there, you know, and if it didn't get used for it, because that happens in a lot of churches, people. Oh, I'm sure. They, they don't write it on the check and it's like, oh, look at this. We have a, we, you know, we can use this any way we want to, you know, and, yep, uh, yep. They do back that law up. I know a gal that had a fantastic ministry down in Mexico working with uh, uh, prostitutes and people getting off of addictions, you know, new Christian women. And uh, she had uh, on part of her uh, income account, she used a little bit of money. And I mean, it wasn't even a big amount. It was a little bit of money to something other than what it was supposed to be used for. And there were people scrutinizing her, trying to bring her down, and they brought her down. And she couldn't get support from anyone. Um, right. because, because if you do, then you're, um, by your action of defending her, you're technically aiding and abetting in, what do they call that? Um Misappropriating the funds or whatever. Right. So well, correct. well, I got, I got, I got one for you. Um, you know, at one time, the church I'm involved with, they uh, decided they were going to, you know, we have a, we're a big proponent of uh, Christian education. Mm -hmm. uh, so what they did was they had everybody pay their, well, those that were willing to participate, pay their tuition dollars to the church. And then people would get the tax write-off, right? And then they, the church would pay their tuition to the school. Huh. Well, you can't do that. That's money. That's money laundering. Yeah, it is. And my dad was an elder at that time uh, when he was still here, and he told him that. He said, "No, that's money laundering. That that won't fly. Why don't you go and check with the IRS?" And none of them were willing to do it. Well, what happened? Oh my God! Eventually, the IRS came along because what they noticed was these people their their givings were you know quite substantial, right? right? For a number of years, but then their kids would get done being in Christian they school graduate. or what? Yeah, mm -hmm. right. And then they would just drop off a cliff. Well, <laughs> the, the IRS figured that out because there was other other places doing that in the United States. Well, they they came after. Uh, every single one of those people, and honestly, rightfully so. You know, right. it was a dishonest thing to do to, yeah. to begin with, and they yeah. got what they deserved. But that's just another example of the problems with the 501c3. So, yeah, exactly. You know, even with me, I, you know, I'm dealing with small potatoes compared to what other bigger ministries are doing. But even then, when I had that, you know, that group that kidnapped and wanted to deliver the 
spirit of Calvinism out of me. <laughs> Those people, oh my gosh, they were following my, they were trying to get me on a financial situation. But fortunately for me, if I, if I ever got funds and they specified what, you know, what it went for, by God, that's all it went for. I used right. to have my ex, she would ask me, well, how come you don't? I said, because you don't understand, I can't. Oh, well, that's not, no, I can't. If they specify this, this is what it has to go to. If I right. do not do that and it could ever come up sometime later down the road, I could lose everything. I could go to jail. No, I'm not going to. They, they play hardball on that kind of stuff. So I'm, I can't, I can't do that. Only if they say that I can. So, I mean, for me, I misunderstood it. If they don't say anything, okay, I, I guess I could do the soupy shuffle sale and figure that I can just do whatever I want with it. I don't look at it that way. They dedicated it to the, for the ministry, so it has to go for the ministry, not for any personal expense. Now, sometimes they'll, you know, people who make a donation, they'll say, you know, for ministry or for any personal needs too, because they understood that sometimes the personal needs are actually enhancing ministry. So, that's only the time that I would ever do that. I keep two separate accounts. That way everything is clearly on the books one way or the other. Right. Um, man, and I mean, and, and, and the laws are getting more and more restrictive. I can't even use the word, even though I've had 40 some years of counseling experience, I can't use the word counseling now mm -hmm. because I could be sued for um, practicing without a um, license. Yeah. A because I don't have, I'm not a licensed counselor. I haven't gone through a four-year um, degree in counseling. Taken seminars, probably better than most any secular counselor could ever hope to ever be, but it doesn't matter anymore. Right. Faith-based counseling doesn't count. Now they want everybody to go through the system. How did that ever happen? That was a touch-me-not freedom of religion before, but now they've found ways to get around that so i think i think you still can do that if you call it biblical counseling um but if you just call it regular counseling that you you're bound and in, in bound by the law to to use the person's um let's let's just put it this way if, if somebody came up to you and they were um let's just say a, a lesbian and they wanted counseling then you would have to counsel them from a secular point of view and and actually um take uh what am i trying to say you wouldn't be able to use let's just say you wouldn't be able to use scripture to counsel them right so, yeah. yeah crazy yeah. so yeah because you're under a license that's a secular license so you have to uh try to make them feel better about themselves and their and their condition by by justifying themselves and their condition you know, and as Christians, we can't do that. We have to use a biblical model. You know, um, we've run into that here. You know, we both pr going to school. Well, I'll be again in, in January to um, to be um, biblical counselors. And believe me, you know, if, if you if you go the other way and you and you mention the name of Jesus and it offends somebody, um, you're in big trouble. Well, uh, so, you know, you have to be really careful and choose the right uh, credentials, you know. Um, so um, I'm not sure. I think you should look into it. I think you could call yourself a biblical counselor since you are a pastor and, you know, you've gone to school to be a pastor. Hold on a second. Pastor. Yeah, try to find it. Pat, you can call yourself a pastoral counselor. 
Yeah, mm. you can do that. You just can't use the generic term counselor because then you put yourself under a licensure. Uh, is that is that different per state or or is I that think it's just a national a, thing to tell you? The national theory. federal level thing. Yeah. And believe me, if it's happening, if, if if it was just an Oregon, California, left coast thing, uh, within four or five years, it's going to be national. <laughs> you know, you can't even, you know, um, if you look at um, the Delusion Resistance website, you know, I, I was worried because I can marry people. I'm ordained. I can marry people. And I was like, you know, anybody can come up and say, hey, marry us, you know. Well, first of all, I'm not going to marry people that aren't both believers, you know. Right. I mean, I've done that once, um, and it worked out good because the guy got saved right afterwards. But, um, but I, you know, I, I, I envision scenarios of people come up to me and saying, you know, well, you know, we're gay. We want you to marry us. Well, I took a biblical response to it, and I said, okay, um, I believe in the Bible. I believe it's the Word of God. And if you force me into do, doing this, then I'm going to do what God does. He, you're. Your orientation is an abomination to him, and I will perform a cursing. I won't. I won't perform a blessing, you know. And I'll, if you're you're believers, and we walk through the steps of, uh, you know, I mean, if you're a man or a woman, and you're believers, and we walk through the steps of, you know, uh, advising or, or pastoral counseling, and you know, you you guys are still right for one another, then I'll perform a blessing, you know, because God blesses those things. So. Um, you know, I, I, if it ever gets forced on me, it's going to be one humdinger of a ceremony. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's going to be all the curses out of the Bible for that lifestyle. You know? Yep. And uh, and I'm not going to change my ways. Sorry. That's not going to happen. So, anyway, that's just an aside. But, you know, it's we, we have to be careful. We have to be wise as serpents, but gentle as doves, is what the scripture says. Yep. That's you know? Enough. Because the laws are, you know, just technicalities on word, word usage, and how it's been used in, uh, can mean a difference between uh, jail or free. Yeah, and there's snakes out there like the ACLU, which are a den of vipers. Yep. Uh, and I think they're 501c3 too, if I'm not mistaken. So that would be kind of neat if that went into effect. That would, <laughs> the money would dry up. But um, anyway. Um, you know, they'll, they'd be the first ones. We had a, a couple up here, uh, up by Portland, and it made national news. So you heard about it, I'm sure. They wouldn't bake a wedding cake for a, a gay couple because they didn't believe in, they, they believed that they would be participating in the ceremony, which they didn't believe in. Well, they got sued for uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. They lost their business and the whole nine yards. Last thing I heard that that may be reversed soon, but, um, you know, the damage is done. You know, they if they go to open up anywhere, they're always going to be the ones that, uh, yeah, uh, they're always going to be the ones that are going to be, you know, oh, those are the two that wouldn't, you know, make the cake. They're racist. They're homophobes. They're xenophobes and everything else, you know. And um, so, you know, it's the damage is done. So even if they did win a, a lawsuit against uh, or have the decision reversed, it's still... <laughs> You know, they're, they're marked people, but um, I'm bound and determined not to let that happen. So um, I just, as far as I'm concerned, everybody that I've wanted to see married and, and stuff like that is married, and, and I'm mostly out of the business, let's put it that way, <laughs> you know. And uh, 
I'll, I'll just close down shop too. That's another way to, to do it. If something like that happens, you know, I'm out of the business. Sorry. Closed. I'm, I'm just amazed at how many, um, I don't know if you've noticed this. I've noticed this trend that a lot of bridal shops are closing. A lot of jewelry, uh, you know, like wedding rings and stuff, businesses, chains, even local mom, pop ones are closing. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, there's a big thing going on right now. Well, the, obviously the younger generation is not getting married. Um, That's, that's part of it. I think, I think the other part of it is I think, um, I think too much damage has been done to marriage in general, especially um, with when, with men involved. Right. Um, You know, not, not that I, you know, part of the logic I, I understand, basically the statement's been made is, well, why would I enter into a union at the hands of the state with a gun pointed at me where at any moment, you know, if the opposing party doesn't want to be part of it anymore, they can walk away and take everything I have. Most people don't realize the uh, high suicide rate, particularly of men, um, from divorce or uh, child custody. Oh, yeah. Or Second. or uh, not not being able to pay um, the uh, child support because it's so it's so abusive mm-hmm. that they end up committing suicide. No one talks about that. So what you're you're witnessing is kind of a backlash uh, in marriage in general. I mean, marriage is good if it's done correctly, right? But the society system that is in place makes it a very dangerous thing for men. And I see a lot of young men that are just kind of avoiding it, you know. But you know, you you can't you can't really blame them. Yeah. I mean, there's will, there's no there's no incentive uh, continuity to. And again, uh, for audience, I'm not necessarily just I'm going after women. It's just it's it's just the system that is in place is very very dangerous. It is. It is. And another fact that a lot of people don't know, and believe me, I, I endorse marriage, and I think that you shouldn't be living together unless you're married. Yep. But, I agree. Uh, the if you get married. Technically, the state owns your children. Yeah. So, so, and I, I was brought up this question, like, you know, I, you know, do you, to get married, do you have to technically, from a biblical standpoint, do it in the in the guides of a marriage certificate with the state? Right. You know, I always wondered that, you know, if it was done outside of the state within a church and an ordained minister, is that good enough for in the eyes of God? I think it's good enough in the eyes of God. Um, right. As a matter of fact, uh, when, when I had, was married to my first wife, we, uh, you know, she, we, we, we couldn't get married in the States for the first three months because that, that was a red flag. You know, the government was like, Oh, well, you know, you're, you're bringing somebody in from another country and you know, she's going to marry you. You're going to get divorced and then she's going to be here, you know, about it being about a boom. So you technically you had to wait three months. So, and there's no way we were going to live together, you know, uh, right. In sin that I consider it for three months. Um, and so what we did is we had a, a survey. We talked to pastor her pastor down there into marrying us just in a, in a ceremony. Yep. And that way we felt we were right in front of the eyes of the Lord. And, you know, we could live, um, well, should we choose to live together, we could. But what happened was, um, I'm 
trying to remember how this went. It's been a while now. I think that uh, she lived with some friends or something. No, no, no. We we lived in the same apartment. That's right. And then when the three months was up, then we got married. Uh, the civil ceremony, you know, where you know you have to sign all the paperwork and everything, so you right. get a certificate and the whole nine yards. But you know, a lot has changed in, uh, since then because now you can. They have domestic partners and the whole nine yards, you know. And right. while I don't agree with that terminology, you know, you, a person I think could probably just have a ceremony in a church without all the paperwork and uh, still have all the rights and privileges that a married couple has. Um, uh, but I do think that it needs to be done. It needs to, it's a ceremony that needs to be performed, of course, um, because of shacking up together. I just uh, we we uh, Jim and I knew a. A couple that uh, they called it an Adam and Eve marriage, you know. Well, Adam and Eve never had a wedding, so we didn't. We don't have to, you know. And uh, bowing to pressure after a while, they finally decided to, to have a, a ceremony in a church. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, but uh, the whole Adam and Eve thing is uh, is a farce, and uh, uh, you know, <laughs> but. Um, Anyway, I do think it's it's important to do, and uh, uh, and that God has to be the one that uh, ties the knot, so to speak. Yeah. So, but, uh, I had a, I had my um, step stepdaughter who was uh, mentally, uh, how could she put it? She was functional. She could carry on on a job. She wanted to marry a um, young man that, that was also in the same situation. Actually, she she graduated um, a special high school, um, special ed, with honors. Um, she was, you know, more functional, and she was actually like a leader to all the other. Uh, very, very good with them. She wanted to marry this young man. And for those two to get married, both of them would have lost their social security. They would have been so heavily penalized by the state they wouldn't afford it. Because it was Uh, SDI, right? Right. So I prayed, and I I said, okay, here's what I can do for you guys. You both love each other. You both love each other. We are going to make a marriage. It's going to be honored in the eyes of God, but it's not going to be known by the state. Are you willing? Do you trust each other to love each other? And if I marry you, you know you're made your with God, not with the state, not with the government, with God. If you're willing to do that, I'm willing to marry you. Mm-hmm. But you got to know that that's this is a bond that goes to God, not by man's standards. And uh, they were willing to do it, so I did it. I did it with no guilt. Um, sometimes the laws of man can be overruled by the laws of God, and you don't need. Um, you know, I don't think you can play the votes from heaven to know what the right choice was in this matter. And uh, and I married, and right. they did honor that. So yeah. I have no guilt feelings on that. The state to get their hand in your pocket and in your mind and controlling everything and everything, uh, any other, any possible way they can. It's just, you know, it's, it's a satanic, demonic, Manipulation, yep. micromanage our, uh, you know, the population, and it just 
Mm-hmm. We never used to be that way as a nation, but we're growing more and more in that. And it's just sometimes it's just motivated solely by greed. Hey, here's a way we can make a bucket with the city extra money. The country needs, the state needs extra money. Here's how we can generate it: tax, 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 tax. Right. Um, right. To well, the point that- of business. My, my father, um, when he was alive, was married to his wife. Was um, she had her issues? Let me just put it that way. So she was on SSDI, and so was he because he was a war veteran and uh, he had a disability. And uh, so the IRS found out about it and said and and yanked one of their uh, SSDIs. Yeah. And so what he did is he they forced them to get divorced. They still live together. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the then the IRS says, well, you guys are still divorced, but you're getting mail at the same address, so we're still going to keep some one of your uh, one of your benefits. So what they had to do is they had to swear an affidavit that they were not having um, sexual union with one <laughs> another, but were just roommates. And he finally got that to stick, and you know they got both their SSDIs back and everything else, but. He had to go. Th- they had to go through that ex- extraordinary um, steps. All those steps in order to to satisfy a government that both of them paid into Social Security, you know, and earned a benefit. But they tried to use a loophole to, to take it away from from them. And just like you know, you were talking about that couple that you married, right? You know, and uh, I'm telling you, it's it's criminal. It really is. But if you come to this country. And you run across the border and say, you know, and, and claim, oh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm claiming sanctuary. Well, you'll get Social Security if you're an older person. You'll get free medical, um, the whole nine yards, you know. And I think that that is what's upsetting so many people these days that um, it's going to lead to a revolution. It really is. You're right. It will. Yeah. So. Hey, you sent me a message before that it's getting kind of late, so maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah I right. gotta be. I gotta be at work. I gotta help my son. Uh, six o'clock in the morning. It's early, right. so. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, we had a good show tonight. We uh, it was really neat because we've done this before and you know had nothing and we just started talking and the old Lord is always faithful to just bring about subject matter and everything else and and uh, I think we had a very insightful and very uh, enlightening conversation tonight and. And, um, Eric, I thank you for your Q report. I really appreciate you keeping up on that stuff because I just can't. I don't have the time. And um, I know you're a busy guy, too. But, uh, uh, and I know Jim doesn't have the time either. So, um, anyway, guys, I want to thank you. I think it was a great show tonight. And uh, we will um, we'll see each other, I guess, next Monday. Next Monday. Um, and we'll be making plans, folks, because during the holidays, you know, the the show might fall on a certain day or whatever. I don't know. I haven't looked at a calendar. Or people might have, uh, you know, Eric might go visit family or Jim might go visit family or I might or whoever, you know. So uh, we may be short a person or, you know, just put a show off for a week or so. Um, and we'll let you know in advance if that's going to happen. So, um, well, guys, I want to thank you. I've had a good time with you tonight. And I just pray for you guys and your families and that you have a blessed week until we meet again on Monday. Amen. God bless you guys. All right. God bless. Okay. Good night, y'all. Good night.